Amen. Thanks, Pastor. Well, as Pastor said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is where we'll be tonight, uh, continuing our study here and uh, remembering last week that we identified Paul's boldness in delivering the gospel message to these people at uh, Thessalonica. And uh, we saw how rehearsing past spiritual victories helps us to trust God and be bold in present witnessing endeavours. And that was a help to us and also how important it is that uh, we're bold in presenting a truthful gospel message, not just one that tickles the ears of people, um, but giving them the truth and the things that are necessary there. So tonight we're going to look at a different but I think almost just as necessary aspect of bringing the gospel to people. And if you look with me in First Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, just verse, verse 1 and 2 here, uh, Paul says, uh, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. We talked about his entrance, his gospel boldness last week. And verse 2, he says, uh, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. If you just jump down to verse 7, uh, we'll see here how Paul compliments the bold entrance of the gospel with a very personal showing of the gospel through ministry. And that's the title of my message tonight, The Gospel Shown Through Ministry. So we'll read a few verses here from verse 7 down to verse 12, and then I'll pray and we'll make some application here. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible reads this, "'But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children.'" So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labour and travail for labouring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. All right, amen. That's all we need to read there. We're just going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, look at this this matter of showing through ministries. So let's just bow our heads and we'll have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you, uh, first and foremost, that you are God, Lord. Uh, We acknowledge our need of you tonight. And uh, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a local church and uh, to sing unto you, to give unto you, and to hear from your word, Lord God. I do pray that you would help me to minister right now. I pray that you would help me to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and uh, that all that is said is pleasing to you tonight. Uh, Help us, Lord, to make application through your word this evening. We thank you for it. Thank you for its help to us. And I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine waking up tomorrow, opening your eyes, and seeing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Doesn't matter how many times you rub your eyes, you still can't see anything. So your hearing's okay, every every other part of your body is okay, but you cannot see anything out of your eyes. Imagine how you would feel about that. And imagine when someone's talking to you after you get up out of bed and you stumble your way through the house and, and you find the first person somehow. They're talking to you, but you can't see them. So you can hear what they're saying, but you can't read any facial expressions. You can't read any body language that they have. And let's say this continues on, as it has for some people. They've woken up like that and never, never had returned their sight. 
that you would find yourself in situations where you're around people and hearing things and understanding what they're saying, but you're missing the whole non-verbal communication. You're missing the whole hand gestures and facial expressions and, and different looks, and, and we miss a whole lot of that. And just imagine that's you, how much you would miss out of understanding things and how much you would miss out on comprehending things. So that's what I want you to think about, is if that was us, I think we would find pretty quickly that we rely a lot on what we see with our eyes. We actually do rely a lot on our sight. Now, people need to hear the gospel, just like these Thessalonians needed to hear the gospel. They need to hear it with their ears, no doubt about it. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, if hearing the gospel has the ability to change someone's life, and say amen if you believe it does, I certainly do, consider the impact that is made when you combine hearing the gospel with seeing the gospel outworked before your very eyes. That sight then becomes so important to the things that we hear with our ears. That combine those two things together and it brings about a whole new understanding and it helps us with the whole matter of what the gospel is. And that's part of our ministry as Christians is to show people the gospel. Not just preach it to them, but to show it through our ministry. And we can learn from Paul's ministry here to the Thessalonians. And I want you to notice firstly that his was a positional ministering to these people, a positional ministering. If you look with me in verse 7, Paul says this, We were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Now, though Paul was not with them for for more than a few weeks, he placed himself among the people. His position was vital to their understanding of the gospel. So positionally, where are you at tonight and how vital is that to other people's understanding of the gospel? When you're showing forth the gospel... Are you where you're supposed to be? Because Paul was exactly where he was supposed to be. He was called by the Holy Spirit to go to Macedonia. So his position was extremely important for these people and he was ministering to them exactly where he was. And I want you to look in verse number 7. That word among, I looked that up and it speaks of a fixed position, but not a, not a static position fixed position, actually a constructive fixed position, almost like giving rest but actively giving rest within the confines of where you are. And this is what Paul was doing for these people right here. He was ministering to them just by even being around them. Yes, he had already brought the gospel to them. We saw that last week in boldness and that was necessary. But the fact that he stayed with them was just as necessary for their learning, for their development as new Christians. And security can be found in other believers, especially with new believers, in just being in your place. So you think about in a congregation this big, there's some new believers here, and even on a Sunday morning there can be more. You can encourage people, you can minister to people by being in your place. I know I've been encouraged by some people who have chosen to come to church off their own doing. They didn't have to, and particularly some of our young people. That encourages me. But they are also encouraged by seeing other Christians in their place where God's called them. 
So we can minister to people the gospel of God. We can show people the gospel of God just by being where God's called us to be. That's a very important thing to think about. And also in that verse number seven, it talks about cherishing as a nurse cherisheth her children. That word cherisheth also means to warm. You know, these people had the gospel brought to them and it can be kind of abrupt, a whole new thing for them to understand and a whole new world for them to to now be walking in. And they had that warmth of Paul and his team being there amongst them, just giving them confidence, giving them security in this, this new life that they had now embarked on as a Christian. He brought that warmth to them just like a nurse would warm a child, would, would hold a child and give that child exactly what they need. So just being among other believers is, is, is enough to minister to them the gospel of God. So that's the first point that we see, a positional ministering. But also next, I want you to notice that there was a sacrificial ministering. A sacrificial ministering. In verse 8, read with me, it says this, So being affectionately desirous of you, We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Now let me ask you a question. What does it take for you to give of yourself to another person? What does it take for you to sacrifice yourself and how you feel to help another person? Because it takes something to get to that point. What would make you sacrifice these things, yourself and and your emotions, your heart, your very soul, your very being? What would it take for you to sacrifice and put those things out there at the risk of them being misrepresented, mistreated? What would it take for you to do that? It probably would take the same thing that it took Paul to do it to these Thessalonians. And I want you to have a look Here are the words that he uses in verse 8. He says, being affectionately desirous of you. Those are strong words in a good way. He says at the end of the verse, you were dear unto us. Verse 9, he says, labouring night and day because we would not be chargeable, so not be burdensome to them. They provided for themselves so they wouldn't bring a burden on these people. And I think his sacrificial ministering came because he treated the people as people, as souls that needed help in this time of being a new Christian and working all of this out. I think he saw them as, as souls, not just another person, not just another, another number in you know, the thousands of people that have come to Christ under his ministry, but he saw them as an actual person who needed help, a person who had feelings and emotions just like he does. So he was willing to impart his soul to them because he saw them as a soul. So he cared for them. He considered them. Have you considered the people around you? Especially those new Christians, those ones that you're, you're seeking to, to see go on for the Lord. Have you considered their place? Have you considered their position, the things that they're thinking and struggling with, things that are hard for them that are perhaps easy for you? Are you treating them just like another person who got saved? Oh, yeah, that's nice. Praise the Lord for that. Or do you see them as a soul that needs help, that needs nourishing, that needs cherishing, that needs that warmth that he showed in his position? And I think this only happens, you only treat people this way, you only see people as a soul like that when you're thinking less of self, when you're actually considering them. 
The Bible says we should consider Christ, consider who he is. We should consider the people around us. And you know what helps me minister to our young people and actually care about them? Because I never used to. Years ago, I never actually used to. I was here doing my thing in this church and, you know, just doing the ministries I was part of. The young people were just not on my radar. But you know what actually helped me to start caring about them? was when I started thinking about, hey, what do they face? Because I know what I faced when I was their age, but what do they face now? What's the world throwing at them that they're dealing with? You know, when you actually stop and think about what people need and what people go through, the hard things they face, that helps you to care for them. How do you care for the widow and the fatherless if you're not a widow and if you're not fatherless? You have to think about it. You have to spend time considering their position. So it is with the new Christian around you. You have to think about what do they need as a new Christian? So are you considering that? Do you consider them as a soul that needs help, that needs encouraging? Because that's what Paul was doing with these people and a whole group of people all at the same time. They'd had this, this, this transaction happen with God And they were facing a whole bunch of different things. Paul was considering their need. And so he was giving of himself. He's like, I'm going to treat these people like I would want to be treated if I was a new Christian. So he was sacrificing. And the more that you consider people, the more you care. And really, doesn't that come out in our prayers? When you stop and think about, okay, there's a prayer list on that sheet that's going to come out later on. Yeah, that person needs a new job. You can just pray for that. Oh, please, Lord, give them a new job. Or you can think about what them needing a new job actually means for them and for their family and, and the, the heartache that, 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 that they're facing through not having certainty of financial stability and you know, what that means for the wife or the children. When you stop and think about that, that it makes you pray differently. And it'll probably end up making you go to that person and say, I'm praying for you and asking them if there's anything you can help with it. It starts to generate care because you're treating them as a person, not just a... a Thing on a list. So Paul was doing this. The more you care, the more you're transparent, the more you're transparent and willing to be transparent, sharing of yourself, telling other people, you know what, I'm not perfect. I actually struggle with this, or I used to struggle with that. Hey, let me help you with this. And then people are willing to listen to you. So the more you care, the more you're transparent, and the more you're transparent, the more that they learn your heart. And if your heart is after God's heart, the more that they learn God's heart. So see how we can minister to people through sacrificing of ourselves, giving up, you know, all of the things that we hold dear to ourselves, like my privacy. If we actually open our hearts a little bit and stop and take time for others, which is another part of sacrifice, then we actually end up being able to minister better to them, especially in, in, in the things that they're facing and going through. And if others are seeing you sacrifice self, isn't that the heart of the gospel? Jesus Christ sacrificing himself? Isn't that Christ-like? And I think that's what Paul was willing to be to these people, Christ-like, showing them an example. So his ministering to them was really a Christ-like ministry, a Christ-like sacrifice, giving of himself. So Paul displayed here a positional ministering we saw, a sacrificial ministering, and thirdly, I want you to notice a behavioural 
ministering, a behavioural ministering. You know, our behaviour as Christians ought to reflect the qualities of Christ. Not just ourselves, but Jesus Christ. And Paul and company really only had a brief time with these folks and they were soaking up everything he said but also how they behaved themselves. So yes, the gospel that came out of their mouth, the words that they said, they were soaking that up. For, for many of them, it would have been the first time they'd heard that kind of thing. But they were looking at how they handled themselves, how they behaved themselves, their, their everyday-to-day behaviour. And, uh, and Paul says this in verse 10. He says, "Ye are witnesses. You, you guys have seen this. You are a witness of this. And God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Think about it. Paul and his men have the task of training I don't know how many people in being a Christian. Imagine the problems that they would face with that. Imagine the frustration that could have come out of that. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to train someone in something. Perhaps if you're a, if you're a trader, you've had an apprentice at some point and uh, you need to train them in something that they're not familiar with. That can bring frustration. Maybe if you've got kids or had kids uh, learning to stack the dishwasher correctly, because there are right and wrong ways to stack a dishwasher, let me tell you that. Well, I know you're all listening because you said amen. <laughs> but there are right and wrong ways to stack a dishwasher. Uh, for me, all the plates go on the right-hand side down the bottom. If you have a cutting board, it goes next to the plates there. Obviously, the cutlery goes in the cutlery thing. And then your, 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 your weird bowls go next to the plates. The top drawer, all the bowls go there and then the cups on the side. And any salad utensils go right down the middle. I'm not very particular. <laughs> But when I was teaching my kids how to stack a dishwasher, frustration. They'd never done it before and there was just like, you just shove everything in, just washes it, doesn't it? You shut the door and just gets it clean. No, (laughs) there's a proper way to do it. So think about Paul teaching all these people and investing in all these people how to be a Christian. What does God expect? What is this gospel of God? What do those scriptures mean? How are we supposed to behave ourselves? So that could, that, he, he was careful in how he behaved around them and with them. And if you notice in verse 10 at the end, among them, there's that word among again. He was there with them day to day, behaving himself in a Christ-like manner. So that was teaching them a lot. Not just the words that they heard of the gospel, but how he behaved himself, how Silas behaved himself, how Timothy behaved himself. They were watching this and soaking it up and learning, oh, that's how a Christian acts. That's how a Christian responds in a situation where it's frustrating or difficult or hard. So they were learning all of this from him. So he, was, he had a behavioural ministering to them. So do people look at your behaviour and say, that is Christ-like? Do they think that when they see how you respond in a difficult situation? Do they say, that's different to everyone else? They might not even know Jesus Christ, but they handle themselves really well there. Do they think that when they look at you? Because that's a way to minister to people, folks, is when we're, we're concerned with how we behave ourselves. Because look at verse 10. 
ye are witnesses, these people are witnesses, everyone around you is looking at how you're behaving, but God also is looking at how you're behaving. And Paul was concerned with that. He wasn't just, oh, I want to please the people around me. He wanted to please God with how he behaved because he wanted to teach them this so they could please God with how they behaved. So are people seeing Jesus Christ in your behaviour? Now, lastly, not only should our ministering of the gospel be positional, it should be sacrificial and it should be behavioural, but also it should be directional, a directional ministering. And you might be tempted to ask the question, why not give the gospel to these Thessalonians and when they receive it, just move on to the next town? You know, surely they could have found other people to, to bring the gospel to and they would have got saved and he could have had a whole lot more people saved in that amount of time that he spent with the Thessalonians. Why not just give it to them and continue and move on? Why, why invest so much? Why impart so much of yourself? Why be so concerned with behaving yourself Christ-like every day, day in and day out? Why was he so concerned with that? Why were they as a team so concerned with that? Well, look in verse 11. Paul begins to summarise his ministry to them. And he says this, As you know how we exhorted and comforted, there's that comfort again coming out, and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children. So he's, saying, he's explaining here that it was very relational. He was, he was like a father to the child. He was like the nurse to the, to the child. He's explaining here that his ministry was relational. But notice with me the purposeful direction of his ministry. And it starts in verse 7, at the start of our reading tonight. In verse 7, look at this. Look at the words. We were gentle among who? You. Verse 8. We imparted unto you. Verse 9, we would not be chargeable unto you. Verse 9 again, we preached unto who? You. Verse 10, we behaved ourselves among you. Verse 11, we exhorted, comforted, charged you. Why direct this all to you? Paul could ask himself, why am I directing all of this to you? Well, so verse 12, have a look with me, that ye would walk worthy of God. He directed his ministering of the gospel to them. We imparted to you. We gave of our souls to you. We behaved ourselves among you. Why? Why do we bother with all this? Verse 12, so that you would continue to direct it to God. So this directional ministry has a flow to it and it's not about Paul and his team. It's about God. And not only just them directing it to God, but they would then go on and direct it to other people. And we saw two weeks ago how they had an impact and they were an example to other churches round about that people saw this change in them. People saw what the Lord had done in them. So they would be able to direct all this to other people. So Paul's saying... I did this for you so you can to God. I did this in God's eyes to you so you can please God. And so you can, and then look at the end of verse 12. Why? Because he's called you, Thessalonians, unto his kingdom and glory. Why perpetuate the faith? Why, why invest and impart and care about people around you? Because God has called them unto something. 
God has called them unto his kingdom and his glory. And God has called other people that haven't been reached yet unto his kingdom and unto his glory. So this directional ministry, it continues on. It's supposed to. We're supposed to perpetuate the faith. We're supposed to be looking out and doing all of these things for the people that are coming up amongst us. The people that are getting saved amongst us. We're supposed to be trying to minister to them the gospel, showing them through our lives, practically in ways like this, so they can please God with their lives. Do you want other people to please God with their lives? Or do we sometimes just think about how I can please God and then it kind of finishes after that? Do you want your kids, if you have kids, to go on further for God? Do you want your family who's not even saved yet to get saved and go on further for God than you have? Are you thinking that way? Because Paul was thinking this way. And we often recognise that God has called us to his kingdom and glory, but sometimes we neglect that God's called many people to his kingdom and glory. And in verse 12, it says "Walk that ye would walk worthy of God. That word walk means make due use of opportunities. So we should want to minister in a way that when we're out of the way, the people we've imparted to would see an opportunity to glorify God, to minister to someone, and they would take it. They wouldn't sit back and go, oh, well, I'm saved, I'm happy now. You know, Paul came and, and, and helped us to get saved and he just went off, he didn't impart anything, so I'm just going to... No, that didn't happen. Paul came and helped them get saved and then spent time with them, among them, and imparted to them so that when he was gone and his team was gone, that they could then see opportunities come up and go, ah, I know what to do now because I saw it with my own eyes. I didn't just hear it with my ears, but I saw this ministry outplaying in the lives of those people that came and ministered to us. And now I can do that for God and to other people and then it can continue on. And then we get to 2018 where we're receivers of that. We are partakers of that. So we should be thankful for this kind of ministering, but not just thankful, we should be willing to do it ourselves as well. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says that Jesus Christ hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's something he has given to us and we're supposed to be good stewards of that and help impart to others that they can then have that ministry of reconciliation and it can continue on. So it's important what we minister to people the gospel of God, but it's also important how we minister it. Not just beating people over the head with a Bible or a gospel tract, but showing them the gospel through our ministry. So perhaps there's some things here that can help you in your ministry to others and are therefore perpetuating the faith. That's what I desire to see amongst us here and I pray that that's a help. I know it's definitely been a help to me looking at this. So uh, we'll just have a word of prayer tonight and then I'll hand back over to Pastor. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for the truths found in your word, for the example of the Apostle Paul and the men that were with him and how they ministered of themselves to other people, Lord. Help us, Father, please, myself included, to learn from this and uh, to consider those around us, what they need, what they're going through, and our Lord, to understand that other people are looking on, that you're looking on, and that we ought to behave ourselves wisely in your eyes, Lord. And I just pray that this be a help to each one of us that's heard this tonight. We thank you for it. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for this evening. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen.